you think about India, you likely think about Bollywood, the Taj Mahal, or colorful food bursting with exotic flavors. Perhaps you think about yoga or the practice of meditation. But no matter your preference, New Delhi has all of that and more. The history, architecture, and culture here are so incredibly unique, it's no wonder New Delhi lands on travel destination bucket lists year after year. Today, we're joined by John Sambolino, who shares his spiritual experience in the yoga capital of the world. And stay tuned for our conversation with Anupam Dasgupta, the general manager of the luxurious Lula Palace. Namaste, and welcome to this episode of Destination Everywhere, New Delhi, India. Looking for inspiring destinations, incredible places to stay, and the most exciting bucket list experiences to travel to next? Welcome to Destination Everywhere with hospitality and travel entrepreneurs Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. Welcome everyone to Destination Everywhere. I'm Andy McNeil along with Todd Bloodworth, and we're so excited to bring you New Delhi today, thinking Bollywood, the Taj Mahal. And colorful foods everywhere, all over the country. This is the place to be. So, Todd, what do you think about New Delhi? You know, when I initially think about India and Delhi, you know, you think of a business capital. There's so much going on there, and it's got such a huge population. But something that you know I've learned about India, it's broken down into regions or states, and each one is completely different. The food is different. The styles of yoga are different. So. As big as it is, it seems like countries within countries and each with its own history. So we're going to talk about a lot of that today, but we're going to really focus on Delhi, specifically New Delhi, which is kind of composed of, of two areas. There's Old Delhi and then New Delhi. And we're going to find out a little bit about New Delhi, the area around it, and some great things to do. But there's such a rich history there that we could talk about it forever because New Delhi is actually coming up on its centennial anniversary of being the capital in 10 years. Yeah, because before that, you know, they had, there was Old Delhi, the most important historical part of this huge metropolis. And it was founded as a walled city in 1639. Um, and it really portrays the soul of Delhi. And it's really how life used to be. So we're going to talk a little bit about that in this entire incredible city. We have some great guests. We're going to speak to Anupam Dasgupta. And Anupam is actually the general manager of the Lila Palace in New Delhi, which is a five-star, absolutely amazing property. They have a couple of properties around India, but we're going to talk specifically about the Lila Palace, New Delhi. And he's got some great insight because he's also lived in many different areas around India. Yeah, I can't wait. And then our second guest is John Sambolino. He's the author of Is God in That Bottle Cap? And he shares with us his spiritual journey in New Delhi and then going to Rishikesh for the yoga festival. And we can't wait to hear about all of his adventures and what he experienced when he was there. So welcome to New Delhi, everybody. We'll be right back with our first guest. Welcome back to this episode of Destination Everywhere, New Delhi. And I am really excited to have our next guest. We are here with Anupam Dasgupta. And Anupam is the general manager of the Lila Palace in New Delhi. And just let me tell you a little bit about the hotel. It is obviously, it's a five-star property. It's a modern luxury property. It is voted the second best city hotel in Asia. 194 deluxe rooms, 18 luxury suites, 42 royal club rooms that each include their own butler and rooftop infinity pool with rose-scented towels and personal shoppers. So Anupam, what's next for the hotel? What don't you have? So, you know, from an amenity perspective, Todd, I don't think we can complain. 
Leela Palace New Delhi has everything that any discerning guest who travels luxury, stays in the best hotels in the world can ask for. So, you know, right from the best butlers to the best cuisine, to the best, to amazing thread count of your sheets, to an amazing spa, we've got it all. However, what I feel we, there would be a welcome addition would be, you know, merging my love for music with enhancing the brand Leela. I'm looking at doing this annual music festival every winter, and it's going to be amazing bringing down the best musicians of the world and having them collaborate with Indian musicians and then doing some amazing fusion at the Leela. Coming from the United States, people that I know that travel to India frequently, there's, there's many different reasons. India has a spirituality, I think, that everybody in the, in the United States romanticizes, and they want to go out to find something new. Your hotel and being in New Delhi, what can a leisure traveler expect? I mean, they have the luxury of the hotel. Let's talk about just first the food for a minute, the food that your hotel offers. Can you tell us a little bit about your executive chefs and the cuisine that you guys offer? Certainly. So we have three beautiful signature restaurants, starting from, of course, Indian, where we offer the best of stately Indian cuisine. Now, here I'd like to just take a second to tell you that, you know, the very word Indian cuisine is a bit of a misnomer because our cuisine changes every 100 kilometers. Like the food that I've grown up in, grown up with, for example, coming from the east of India is completely different from the food that somebody in Delhi has. So, you know, whether it's the protein or the carb, it's completely different the way it is cooked, etc. So what we've done in Jamawar, which is our Indian restaurant, is to look at some of the stately princely cuisines and put them all together in the same menu. So you have that classic element. We also have small plates. If you want to play around with the cuisine a bit, you know, a little more innovation, etc. So that's Jamawar for you. Then we have Megu, which is our modern Japanese restaurant. It's a beautiful space with different rooms a lot of modern flair, and it's amazing. It's got inside-outside. It's got a great vibe to it. It's the only Japanese, authentic Japanese restaurant in the city. Then I have Le Cirque, Le Cirque of the famous, you know, the New York Le Cirque fame. Absolutely. And, you know, we have it's 6,300 square feet. Again, beautiful rooms, amazing food, amazing Italian food with a French sensibility. So those are the three main restaurants. Plus, I have an all-day dining, which has got amazing Thai food and local food from Delhi, which is a local cuisine. It's got a beautiful buffet that we lay out for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I have a I have a Thai expat chef who does amazing Thai food. I also have the library terrace, library and the terrace, which is a bar, which is essentially a cocktail bar, which does some outstanding cocktails, which are inimical to Delhi and rooted in the local culture. What's an example of one of those cocktails? So, for example, we do a Manhattan with a twist. So, while it's a classic Manhattan, you we do add some Indian uh, flavors, like, for example, turmeric. You know, it really enhances the flavors of the Manhattan. I call it Lutian's Deli, for example. I mean, it's amazing. It's basically a Manhattan, but you're sitting in Lutian's Deli and you're sipping from it. So, that's a great example of how we have taken some of the classics of the world and we've adapted them to local tastes. And then we have a beautiful a lobby lounge, which serves the best of Indian teas and coffees because India is known for its teas and coffees. So we've got the best of the Indian teas and coffees, single origin coffees, single origin teas, single estate teas. All that happens, 
you know, with rituals at the lobby, as well as at the Cube Alfresco. The Cube is, is the all-day dining. We have beautiful ritual there that happens over there. We have a stunning statue of the Devi, what we call the Devi. It's, she's basically the manifestation of, manifestation of the Indian, uh, of the female force. So we've got a beautiful sculpture of the Devi, which is made from five different metals. And the amazing thing, Todd, is it, she doesn't rust. It's, it's the bust of the Devi, which is right in the center of the hotel. And we have a beautiful ritual that we do over there in the evenings, you know, of, with fire. And at the Cube Alfresco in, in itself, we do this amazing Indian tapas counter, for, which, is called the, which are called charts. So, you know, that's another amazing thing that we do at the Cube Alfresco to tie in with the afternoon tea. Like you, while we in Latians Delhi, we have the British afternoon tea, you know, with all the with all the history of our British the British Empire, so we we've embraced that, and we've embraced the Indian afternoon tea, and it all comes together at the Cube Alfresco. Are most of your guests do they come in to experience a larger part of India? Are they coming in as a stop to another stop, or are they coming in specifically for weekday business trips? So, what are a majority of your guests? So, majority of our leisure travelers start coming and make Delhi a part of their itinerary because it's a, it's a great gateway city into India. This part of India is actually, there are great itineraries at, in this part of India. The tried and tested one is, of course, Delhi, Agra, and Jaipur. Agra has the, obviously, the ubiquitous Taj Mahal. Jaipur has amazing forts and a lot of shopping and, you know, great culture, great food, et cetera, et cetera. So people usually make an itinerary around that. But having said that, there is a lot more to India, a lot more to North India than just Delhi, Agra and Jaipur. But Delhi is your go-to place when you're coming in and uh, coming into India. It is really your go-to place. Now, the guests, they've come to the hotel and obviously they're going to be very comfortable. But to get out and explore New Delhi and Old Delhi and the area around the hotel... What advice would you have for tourists as they come in and start trekking out on their own? So the advice is very clear. It's better to you know, have it all planned up because various parts of the city operate in, you know, it gets busy in diff- at different times. And of course, they're all, all, you know, if they're doing sightseeing, all monuments have specific timings for them. So it is better that they sit with the concierge and draw out a plan of what they want to see and it can easily be done, whether it's the Qutub Minar, the Baha'i Temple, the Red Fort, or if they want to do shopping. Uh, Delhi is, is an absolute paradise for shoppers, whether it's clothing or jewelry or heavy ethnic dresses. A lot of people come here for that as well. Also, there is, of course, our entertainment, art galleries in the area, you know, performances, tribal art shows in dedicated areas. So there's a lot that can happen. And The best thing, Todd, is that we are right in the middle of it all. We are right in the center of Delhi, in the heart of Delhi. So anything that you want to, any place you want to go to is a 25-minute drive or a maximum 30-minute drive away. So when someone comes to New Delhi and Delhi in general, what are some of the annual fairs and festivals that you would recommend they participate in? So straight out of the hat, I would say Diwali is an amazing time to be here because, you know, it's a festival of lights. It's beautiful. It's colorful. The weather's perfect. You know, it's just about to turn. That's one festival that is really, really amazing. Holi is around the corner. Holi is the spring festival. Basically, you smear each other with colors. That's a great time to be here as well. Not just in Delhi, but every state has its own 
tradition. So, I mean, India has a great tradition of festivals across across the country. So in any state you visit, there is something or the other that's always going on. There's one, for example, is the Harvest Festival, which happens around April. So, and that in, in different manifestations all across India. So whether it's Bihu in Assam or, you know, Baisakhi in Punjab, so it's the Harvest Festival, right? So you can really, wherever in India you go, you can really plug into a particular festival at that part of time. But for anybody coming into India, I would say Diwali in Delhi is a great time to be here. Uh, and Holi is also a great time to be here. Is it pretty easy for a foreigner to embrace it and become included in the festivities? So, th- you know, that's one of the best things about India is that it is a very inclusive country. And, you know, the, one of the reasons why we've got, you know, more, more than, you know, 5,000 years of continuous civilization is because we've, we've embraced all cultures, we've embraced all religions, and we've taken the best from them, and we've given the best of ours. You go into the smaller towns, you go into villages, Todd, in the most modest of dwellings, even if they have one piece of bread, they'll share it with you. Make you sit down and have a cup of tea because they thrive in that interaction and they love to give a part of themselves. And we have this age-old Sanskrit saying called Atiti Devo Bhava, which actually is our motto as well in this hotel, which literally means guest is God. So you bring in a guest into your dwelling as if he or she is God. I mean, there's nothing more that you can do in terms of welcoming, right? India is a life-changing experience. Because it's, as you said, Todd, right at the beginning, it's an extremely spiritual place. So, you know, it does things to you in more ways than one. It's not just a holiday where you spend money, take a lot of pictures and remember it later. India has the capacity to change you forever. That's the beauty of India. Well, we'll leave it at that because I think that's the perfect ending. So if our listeners, they want to follow you, what are your social media accounts and what are your handles? How are they going to be able to find you and keep in touch with the hotel and start to plan their trips? So it's it's the Leela Palace New Delhi on Instagram and on Twitter. And if they want to buzz me on Instagram, my personal handle is Anupam underscore 1973, which is the year of my birth. And I'd love to hear from them. Well, Anupa, we will definitely be following you. Thank you so much for your time. We wish you the best of luck and look forward to seeing what's coming up because I think that music festival, once that comes to fruition, will definitely be on my list of things to go participate in. Absolutely. Look forward to that and look forward to sipping the Latins Delhi with you, which is the Manhattan, aka Manhattan, with you at the library. I will be right next to you at the bar enjoying that. Anupa, thank you so much. Cheers to that. Thank you. Welcome back to this episode of Destination Everywhere, New Delhi. And I just absolutely loved talking to Anupam. I could have gone on much longer. There's so much to learn. And it totally helps when you have somebody who is a local, who lives there, who's done it all. Yeah, you guys sounded like best friends. Yeah, and he, he actually had, you know, I love his vision for a music festival, you know, at the property. So I'm really looking forward to that. And Anupam and the Leela Palace have also, they're going to be giving away a one night stay for two with breakfast at the Leela Palace, New Delhi. So please be sure to go to our website, www.destination-everywhere.com and register and like us on a Facebook page and comment and get in for that because that will prove to be an amazing experience, especially if you could back it up on another trip. So that said, let's go into 
some of our bucket list ideas for New Delhi. And it's quite a list and there's something for everybody. So first, you know, I want to start with Indira Gandhi. Indira Gandhi, she was a very, very celebrated politician. And you can actually do an event at the Indira Gandhi National Center for the Arts, the IGNCA. It's a cultural center and it promotes Indian arts and literature, religion, and it hosts some great events. And you can also participate in conferences and exhibitions, film shows, lectures, and cultural performances at the uh, Center for the Arts. So that's something you should definitely check out. And it also hosts on June 21st of every year, the events for International Yoga Day. So obviously yoga is very, very popular. It always has been. So if you do find yourself in New Delhi on June 21st, go check out some International Yoga Day events. Yeah. And speaking of yoga, the International Yoga Festival is in Rishikesh, which is where yoga was actually founded. And it's a seven-day event uh, that unites thousands of people together for the yoga festival. And it's known as the yoga capital of the world. And our guest, our next guest, John Sambolino, actually is where he started his journey with yoga and meditation. And we can't wait to talk to him about that. Actually, I have a lot of friends that would probably be really interested in that. I've got a lot of friends that are either yoga teachers or take classes on a regular basis. So now let's go to shopping. If shopping is your thing, there is a 300-year-old market, the Chandni Chalk, and it translates into Moonlight Street. And the market offers delicious street foods, beautiful jewelry, you know, lots of perfumes, and it's home to the largest wholesale spice market. So that's something that would definitely, I, you know, you just kind of picture it. It's probably, you know, like walking down the street of a movie, but you know, just the smells and the sights and, and just everything that you see would be a great experience. And the narrow streets, I mean, they're very crowded. So we have to warn you about that, but it's completely worth it. And it's even commonplace for brides to be, to do all their wedding shopping for dresses, accessories, decorations, and catering at the market. So go check it out. I'm sure it'll prove to be a wonderful experience. All right. And there's some things that are a little touristy to do, but that you have to do. And one of them is obviously one of the seven wonders of the world. Todd, do you know what it is? The Taj Mahal. Absolutely, I do. And, you know, that view in front of the Taj Mahal, there's so many wonderful historic pictures of people, specifically the one I'm thinking of as Princess Diana, like sitting on the bench in front of the Taj Mahal. And it's completely cleared out. I don't know how they made that happen, but she's the only one in the frame. Well, if you want a really unique experience for it, they do a special tour called the Moonlight Tour. When there's a full moon, they do it before and after. So for night, for five nights straight, they do an evening tour and you can see it in its full glory under the moonlight. So definitely, if you're going to see the Taj Mahal, I can't think of a better way to do it. And the next one is something I think everybody thinks about when they think about India. And it's the India's festivals and their events, their annual events. And two that I want to point out, is Holi and the Holy Color Festival. And there are versions of this throughout the world, but obviously going to India and celebrating this in New Delhi. And what it is, it's celebrated throughout the entire country and it's the festival of color. So it marks the victory of good over evil in the beginning of spring. And participants celebrate with large bonfires at night, uh, you know, parades, colored water and the powder. If you've ever seen the pictures of the festivals and the, the powders going around, and we actually you know, did this with our kids. We were in Montreal and it was absolutely amazing. We, we just had fun with it, but it was a version of holy, but it's blues and yellows and reds, and it's just all over the place. So if you can participate in that, that's amazing. Another one 
is Diwali. Diwali is a five-day festival of lights, and it honors also the victory of good over evil and brightness over darkness. So it's based on the Hindu lunar calendar, and it takes place in October or November. And it's a great way to celebrate Diwali, specifically if you're in India, is with an Indian family and learn and take part in the rituals. All right. So while visiting the Red Fort, which is the main residence where the Mughals used to live, the emperors, make sure you stay in the evening. They have a light and sound spectacular, which also takes visitors on a journey about Indian history, culture, and tradition. So it's a great way to wrap up a day of sightseeing in New Delhi. It's something I've always loved and been interested in are luxury trains. And you can actually take a luxury train tour around Northern India. And there's quite a few luxury trains throughout India, but one in particular that's been continuously awarded is the Maharaja's Express. And it was first introduced in 2010 by the Indian Railway Catering and Tourism Corporation. And it's the only luxury train in India to travel across the entire country. And they have spectacular tour circuits at certain times of the year. And something in particular, you can tour the Golden Triangle. And the Golden Triangle consists of three cities, one being Delhi and then Agra and Jaipur. And it's a triangular circuit that connects three major cities. And we, we talked about it with the Nupam in Northern India. And you can do this by train or you can do this by vehicle, but it, it just would prove to be a wonderful trip. So definitely, if you have the time and the resources, check out this uh, luxury train, the Maharaja's Express. Absolutely. And if you are in New Delhi and you want to eat at one of the best restaurants, make sure you make your way over to Bukhara. It's located in the ITC Morea Hotel, and the restaurant offers tandoor. Oh, I love tandoor-cooked Indian dishes. They're served in a very rustic, chic space, and it has an open kitchen, and the service is impeccable. So make sure that if you want to do that, you go to Bakara, the restaurant in New Delhi. And if you're looking to get outside, you really don't think of a lot of outdoor public space in India. But if you're looking for just a beautiful outdoor space and want to go on a nice walk, you can walk throughout the Garden of the Five Senses. And this is a 20-acre space that was conceptualized to answer the city's need for a leisure space for the public. And it allows people to unwind and have a sensory experience. And here visitors can explore art sculptures and workshops. There's an amphitheater, beautiful gardens, and it's also another great space for outdoor events. It sounds like a lot of fun. And absolutely. And if you think of New Delhi, you also think of Bollywood. And the city's most famous theater is the Kingdom of Dreams. And Bollywood refers to the Indian, the Indian film industry. So if you think of Bombay and Hollywood, Bollywood together, the theater itself is a destination. The building is beautifully lit and there's a traditional Indian restaurants inside and shopping options as well. So a great way to get that, that Bollywood experience is, is to go to the kingdom of dreams. Yeah, Bollywood has always been something I've kind of been fascinated with because you do see a little bit of influence in American movies with Bollywood, but the dancing and the costumes and the music, it's absolutely just magical to watch. And it really would be a great experience. All right. And that does it for our top 10 list for New Delhi and Northern India. And we're really excited for our next guest who spent a lot of time in that region of the country. And this is John Sambolino. He is the author of Is God in That Bottle Cap? And he's actually going to give away two books to our guests. We're really excited to speak to him about his experiences. And we'll do that right after this. 
At AMI, we're passionate about meeting connections that change lives. For over 20 years, we have traveled our clients all over the globe, supporting their business goals and helping them stand apart. From hotel sourcing to audiovisual magic, we'll make your corporate meeting or event second to none. Go to AmericanMeetings.com to learn more. American Meetings, AMI, meeting planning perfected. Welcome back, everyone, to Destination Everywhere. I'm here with John Sambolino, and he's the author of Is God in That Bottle Cap? A Search for the Ultimate Truth That's Hidden in Our Reality. Welcome, John. Thanks, Andy. Hi. Hey, and so you've been meditating two to three hours every day for 40 years. You practice yoga, tai chi, and chai gong. And what is that like? I mean, what took you, started you on that journey? I, I want to delve into your book, but first I want to know how you got to that place and how India inspired you. Well, when I was a little kid, for some, whatever reason, I mean, a real little kid, like five years old, the world didn't seem quite real to me. I mean, it was real, but I had this belief that there's something else going on. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know if it was religious in nature, scientific, whatever. And I just didn't know what was going on. And somehow I thought I got trapped in this body. Like, why am I just stuck in this body? This just, it just didn't seem right. And I went to college and read a book, that Karate, and it spoke about enlightenment and all these enlightened masters and the things they could do and this and that. And I said, oh, my God, this is, this is the ticket. I got to learn how to become enlightened. And that got me interested. I read a lot of books. And then when I was 24 years old, I learned to meditate. And I've been meditating every day ever since. So, John, your first trip to India, you attended the Art of Living 25th anniversary for the Silver Jubilee celebration in Bangalore, India, which later led you to your trip to Rishikesh. So tell us about your first experiences in India. Well, India is kind of like a crazy place. And then you get home and you can't wait to get back. It's so fantastic. Rishikesh is different. So when I went over for the Art of Living, we did something in Bangalore. Then we went up to Delhi and did some a week of sightseeing. And then I went to Rishikesh. So Rishikesh is a small town, the foothills of the Himalaya Mountains on the Ganges River. It's kind of a spiritual town. It's like the uh, birthplace of yoga. Rishikesh is a city in India where you can't buy any alcohol. You can't buy an egg. You can't buy any kind of meat. It's just it's just vegetarian. And there's dozens and dozens of ashrams and spas. It's just a cool little place. I mean, I thought it was fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about the ashram because this in the city was also a hangout spot for the Beatles and Mia Farrow and Donovan in the late 60s. And supposedly it inspired the Beatles song, Dear Prudence. Tell us a little bit about it because it sounds like an incredible place. Yeah. So when I first got to India and in, I guess 2006, I had learned TM in the TM City Program, which is an advanced program for advanced meditation techniques. I wanted to go to the ashram. So when I got to the ashram, it was closed off. It, it was it was abandoned. It was closed off. It was overrun. And they, they have a big perimeter wall around there and they have a guard that would it would keep everybody out. So there was some local guy says, well, I can get you in. Give me some money and you know I'll get you in. We gave him some money, gave it to the guard. And we all went in and we walked around. And it was just fantastic. It, I mean, there was so much history there. So there was graffiti all over the walls. There was monkeys everywhere. But what they had, they had these little like huts. They looked like little, like an, like an egg. And they were individual meditation huts, almost like caves. And they were maybe 10 by 12 feet on the first floor where a person go in there and they could sleep and just stay in there. And the second floor was a little dome meditation area. So I wanted to go there and meditate. So I would sneak in every day and meditate in these, in these little beehive huts because the Beatles were there and, and all this. So the Beatles wrote the White Album back in the day, back in the 60s. And most of those, a lot of those songs came from their trip to Rishikesh. So the one song was Mia Farrow was there 
uh, with her sister Prudence. And Prudence was really into meditating. And she was in one of these little beehive huts. And you can stand there for as long as you want. And she was in there for weeks on end, just meditating in solitude and wasn't coming out. And the Beatles were getting worried that she was becoming a recluse. So they, they said, you got to come out, you know, and that was the thing for Dear Prudence. Once you come out and play, that's where that where that came from. But then I went back to Rishikesh uh, a couple of years ago for that international yoga festival. And I went again to the to the ashram. But now it was open to the public. They turned it into a museum. So it was all cleaned up. So there was still graffiti on the walls, but the monkeys were gone. But they have big that they, they had public restrooms and had all the pictures of what happened back in the 60s with the Beatles and all these famous people. The Beach Boys, everybody was there. And it's just such a great piece of history. I mean, it's just a great place to go visit. One of my things I always wanted to do was meditate in a cave in India. I became really friendly with, with this guy at the hotel, the manager. And I said, you know, I'd really like to go meditate in this cave. And he said, well, I know where there's one. I'll take you there. I got a motorcycle. We'll go up to, you know, tomorrow. So I was great. So I got in the back of his motorcycle. We drove up, you know, middle of nowhere. And I got in this cave and meditated. And it, it was great. And then we're driving back. And I go, man, I would love to be able to go on a motorcycle trip, you know, through northern India. And I asked the guy, is there any place I can rent a motorcycle? And he says, well, can you ride one? I go, yeah. And so he got off and he says, here, ride, drive me back to, to the hotel. So I drove him back and he said, you can rent mine for seven bucks a day. So I rented that motorcycle and I went way up into, into the Himalayas and the sites. It was just, it was fantastic. It was a, just a, the best trip ever. So what type of events would you recommend our listeners to go to if they're going to go to that area? Is there anything particular that they should do? Is there an annual festival or anything that would be a great event to plan a trip around? Well, yeah, it depends on what they're interested in. But there's the International Yoga Festival. It's in February every year. And that's a great thing to go to if you're into meditation and stuff. But there's also at least 20 major ashrams, which are spiritual retreat centers from all the different yoga places around the world. They're up in Rishikesh. But there's a lot of other stuff to do. There's horseback riding. There's exploring. There's hiking. They have some rafting trips. You, you go up the Ganges and you come down in rafts. Again, there, there's spas. There's just there's just so much to do. And it's so scenic. I would agree with that. And so let, let's just circle back to your book a little bit and talk about kind of the message of the book and why someone should get it and read it. Tell us kind of what inspired you to finish the book. I think you finished it about two years ago. What message are you trying to convey? Well, I've been meditating for a long time, and there's a lot of good reasons to meditate for stress release. Uh, you're, you're healthier. 75 to 90 percent of all doctor visits are for stress related issues. And meditation gets rid of more stress than anything you can possibly do. The only way that we normally have to get rid of stress is by sleeping. But meditation gets rid of a lot of stress. But I don't meditate for stress release or being healthier. I meditate for like a spiritual kind of a thing. I mean, meditation is part of every religion. Islam has the, the Sufis. They meditate. Judaism has the Kabbalah. They meditate. Christianity had the, uh, the Christian mystic. They, me they meditate. The Hindus, the, the Buddhists, they all meditate. So I meditate for trying to figure out what's going on. So the purpose of my book is not to tell anybody anything what's going on. I, mean, I give them my insights and what I've kind of come to understand. But it's just to give people the desire to learn to meditate. And that desire should be there's something else going on besides what your senses are picking up. I'm not saying what it is, but there's something else going on. And whatever it is, it's worth checking out. Excellent. Excellent. So we ask each one of our guests some rapid fire questions because you guys are world travelers. Obviously, you've been to India. I'm sure you've been to lots of other places. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? No, go ahead. Awesome. Great. So have you ever completed anything on your personal bucket list? And if so, what was it? I've completed everything on my bucket list. Uh, what's your top one? 
I'll give my top two. The, t- the top two first was meditating in a cave in India. I wanted to meditate in a cave in India because you read these spiritual books and everything seems to happen in India. So I, I did that. And the second one is I wanted to hike the Himalayas. I went to Bhutan several years ago and I hiked up to 17,000 feet, 85 miles, yeah, 85 miles to do the Himalayas in Bhutan. I did that. So those, those are two of my big things. Uh, that's incredible. That, that second one is definitely a bucket list item. My goodness. How incredible was that? Well, again, that, was, that was a lot of fun. That's awesome. All right. Next question. If you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would it be? Well, a year is kind of a long time. It is a long time, right? It's got to be something really good. Yeah. Well, I would live in Hawaii because I'm a surfer. And so there, there's waves there. It's got it's got good weather, but it's also got stuff that I want to see. If I want to go see a movie or watch TV or get some great food, it's just got a lot to do. So that'd be a great place to be for a year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Here's a good one. When packing for a trip, what is something you pack that may surprise our listeners? I would pack little tiny rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> so what I do is a month or two before I'm going to go on a trip, especially someplace like India or Bhutan or Nepal or wherever, Egypt, you know, when your toilet paper gets down towards the very end and there's a little bit left, I would stop so you can fold it in half, kind of crunch it up and put it in your back pocket. Because when you go to these places, a lot of the restrooms have no toilet paper. And if they have, it's horrible. So that way you can have it in your back pocket. You always got it. And I would take six or seven of those, but I always keep one in my back pocket. Ah. Uh. That's a great suggestion. But I've also got another, I might just throw out another one too, though. Another one, if people are interested, is take presents. You know, I take coloring books and crayons for the kids. When I went to Bhutan, I, I took these little flashlights that you charged up by just shaking them. You, you'd shake it like that and it charges it up because there's no electricity for 95% of the country and people just love those. And I would give them away and I give away like little bars of like health bars and that kind of stuff. So take things away to people. That is a great suggestion. Really, really. That's a unique one, one I've never heard before. But you know, bringing something from your own country to where you're visiting, that, that, that what, what, a great, what a great suggestion. So John, if someone wants to buy the book, they can just Google, is God in that bottle cap? And, uh, and Amazon will pop up. It'll pop up on my website. It's just .com. And that'll pop up that also. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we really appreciate your time. Thank you for giving us your insights to India and hope you make it back there soon. Take care. No, thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me on. It was great. Welcome back, everyone, to Destination Everywhere, New Delhi. And we'd like to thank our guests. They were just fantastic. You know, the experience about going to Rishikesh and experiencing that meditation retreat and all the different things you can do and being in the yoga cap of the world, I think is definitely on my bucket list. Todd, what's on yours? You know, I think definitely uh, participating in Holy One Year would be just an unbelievable experience. And I also really would like to check out that the Maharaja Express and just kind of check out the luxury. I think that would be a really fun trip. And then you just get to see everything through the windows as you're going from destination to destination. I think that would be a lot of fun. Incredible. Well, that said, that wraps this episode of Destination Everywhere, New Delhi. Of course, we always like to thank our team here. We have Chris Jordan, our copywriter, Annie Fernandez, our creative director, and of course, Lauren Campbell, our podcast producer. So please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show on your preferred podcast app or by going to www.destination-everywhere.com. And again, if you'd like to win one of our giveaways for this, please visit our Facebook page at Destination Everywhere and register to win. We have some great prizes. So join us next time on Destination Everywhere. Safe travels. You've just tuned in to another episode of Destination Everywhere with travel and hospitality entrepreneurs, Todd Bloodworth and Andy McNeil. To access the show notes and other helpful resources, visit destination-everywhere.com. 
Join us again next week for another bucket list filled show as we feature another travel worthy destination. Until next time, travel well and be safe out there.